Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning novel Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and the newly released Pretty Ugly. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, author of the Bourbon books, including Dibs, Since September, and her latest release, Move on Melinda. Joining us today is the incredibly talented Helene Wecker, talking about her new book, The Hidden Palace, and maybe, maybe we'll talk about the new book, The Hidden Palace, as well as the entire world of the Gollum and the Ginny. Welcome, Helene. Can you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your work? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, A little bit about myself and my work. So I'm a writer who's been writing professionally for Frighteningly. what is it now? About 10 years. And yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm trying to count. And my is like, okay, was my, my daughter wasn't born yet. And was so um, you do children math too. I did. Yes, How old was that child? Okay. Pregnant. All right. So it's about, five. all right, go on. <laughs> so, um, and let's see, so of my work, so Golem and the Genie, Hidden Palace, I have done two books in 10 years. This is, oh, you know, but <laughs> these are, they're not short books. <laughs> and and they're, they're actually also out. So I think something that people have to keep in mind is writing a book is one thing, getting them out is another thing. Yeah, that is that is very true. But also I take a long time to write things. Um, so I have, so these books are set in um, the turn of the 20th century in Manhattan, uh, in the Jewish and Arab American communities um, that were existing in Manhattan at the time. And uh, so it is a an immigrant story, sort of the classic immigrant story told through the points of view of uh, two supernatural creatures, a golem named Hava, a girl golem, and a genie named Ahmad. And um, their discoveries and trials and tribulations as they attempt to pass for human and fit in with the other immigrants in lower Manhattan. It's a great premise. And I will say, um, Allison's reading your first book and I am reading your second book without reading the first book, but I did read a synopsis, uh, because I was like, we just want to like cover all of our bases, but neither of us finished either book because (laughs) the shame, (laughs) the shame. They're long. Um, they are. But it's so, so good. And honestly, today I was, I'm wearing like, you can't really tell. It's like a very vintagey style blouse hmm. that is like kind of a, a turn of the century style blouse. So I wore that in like honor. Like very Gibson girl, sort of the yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. I almost put on a full-blown Victorian dress, but it's kind of hot here. So <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I know they're not very comfortable to hang out in. Yeah. So, um, so I know the first book came out in 2013 mm-hmm. and it's now 2021 and the second mm-hmm. book just came out. So there is several years in there. Quite a few years in between. Um, I think it's eight. Eight. How okay. long did the first book take you? And did you know it was going to be a series? Did you think with series? 
So the first book, now I have to do math again, took me, I started it in 2006 or seven. And it, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It, seven years from beginning to publish publication for the first one. Um, and that was, a, okay, so I started it at, when I was in grad school, actually, I went to Columbia, um, I got my master's. And while I was there, I started writing this and, um, you know, just sort of took it with me when I left. And I didn't have that much time to work on it, at, you know, at first, because, you know, I got to, you know, pay my you know, college debt and, and, you know, keep, help yeah. keep a roof over whatever. Exactly. You've got to eat. You've got yes. to somehow. Yeah. So yeah. the first book took me a very, a much longer time. Well, I shouldn't say that because the second book took me just as long. Um, so I didn't envision it as a series to begin with. I wrote it. I wanted it. I, I wanted it to have the kind of ending where it felt like the characters kept going. Um, so I didn't draw a line under the ending. I, I made it so that, you know, it's sort of like you, you turn the last page, but they're about to embark on something else, something that they have, you know, that, that, that is the culmination of everything, but it isn't necessary, but it wasn't like a cliffhanger. It was, right. it's not right. a cliffhanger ending. It's yeah. a, I would you know, love to, uh, to explain to people what a cliffhanger is, because I actually, this, this is my own rant. I recently got a review that was mad that the ending of my first book was a cliffhanger because the characters are in the next book. And I'm just thinking, you don't know what a cliffhanger is now. No. Cause that's not what a cliffhanger is. And, and no. the fact that you're saying, I've read okay, your book. It's so, not a cliffhanger. Yeah, it, it is not. But just the idea that if you don't kill off all the characters or explode the world, then that automatically <laughs> a cliffhanger. That's not what a cliffhanger is people. But I appreciate that you were saying that they are going on, but it sounds mm -hmm. like the first story was still meant to be a standalone complete story mm -hmm. in of itself. Cause yeah. I've also read some, I haven't written any, but I've read some where it's not a complete story. And yeah. if you put it down, you aren't left with a feeling of completion or yeah. any kind yeah. of catharsis or resolution. And it's just, well, if you'd like to know what happens, you're not going to find out till you buy the next book, which yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of when authors do that to yeah. me. I'm not a huge fan of that either, unless, I mean, th there is a style of book where it feels like you're watching an old TV serial or like, like I'm a, like, if you watched like Doctor Who back in the old days yes. and it was actually like one half hour segment at a time, the way they showed it in Britain, instead of smashing all of the, the segments into the, the one episode that was like two hours long or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, and that, into one. Yep, exactly. And that is fun, but it's a particular kind of entertainment and i don't want that necessarily if i'm reading a book and i, I, I prefer a finished story and i think so. it really also depends on expectations and when you go in with the doctor who knowing that's what you're getting mm -hmm. it's a different kind of thing versus oh hey i pick up a book that's this thick and this may not look huge but it's it's actually quite dense inside it, the print's yeah. very small and i've read books like that and it doesn't have any resolution and you have to get the next book. So not knowing going in is, is a little yeah. bit of a bait and switch. And, makes and, me then and then it's like, especially when, if it's a, if it's a book that long and it's like relatively involved and then it doesn't end, it's like, you it's know, like there a, are things called editors, right? Like yeah. what, sometimes it, it's okay to cut words. This yeah. is why our show is called word vomit because <laughs> yeah. if it was books this size that literally were a cliffhanger, Mm -hmm. for every single one 
that I feel like that would be not only exhausting for a reader, mm-hmm. but exhausting for a writer to well, just be like, I'm going to make no choices. I'm going to keep everything in. All of my characters are going to get to do every single like thing that's available to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, there's especially the bricks where it's like, this is a tome and I'm reading it. I'm like, I just want my pen be like cross off, cross off. <laughs> like, let's just edit this down and turn it into like a book that says exactly the same thing, but it's a third as long, you know? And I, I'm you know, yeah, there are certain one, one author in particular, I can think of whose initials are GRRM, but we won't say who. Oh, uh, yes. I, I think <laughs> I've heard of an author like that. Instagram yeah. screaming, go on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, love his stuff, love his stuff, but like, okay, this, you could have taken out this entire side story here and just gotten mm-hmm. them through the woods a lot faster. And that's what I'll, I'll say about, I wasn't even thinking of that particular one. There's another one in the same genre who often will write like trilogies of books. And it felt like there was just a red line between the books, but you have to read all three in order to have a completion to any of the story arcs or any of the characters. And that just was a frustration for me because I would be like, I'm not really enjoying this, but I want to see how this turns out, but I can't do it in this book. And I have to read all three of them just to get some kind of completion. And then you get to it and go, wait a second, Five out of these seven storylines were completely irrelevant and wrapped up in a way that had no bearing on the other stories, and it just felt like padding. Yeah. And that's that's not a thing <coughs> I truly enjoy. Yours, everything is so interwoven in here. There, your editor wouldn't be able to do anything to remove these things because it's like a Jenga piece, and then things would fall apart. Well, and the the funny thing is the book is originally much longer than that. Like this is cut down about twenty five to thirty percent. Because the word count on this right now, just I mean, uh, count to a lot of readers means nothing, but other authors, and we have a lot of other authors who watch this show. That's how we think because we know that pages and fonts are going to vary. I think this one is about one hundred and thirty five, and the second one is slightly shorter. 135k maybe a little longer i don't i don't think but i mean at one point it was like 175,000 yeah. or something like that yeah, and, and basically because i i you want to talk about word vomit like that's we do. We my do. that's <laughs> my it's it's my mo so like i overwrite and overwrite and overwrite and then i pair back and you know with, with the help of other people to tell me okay which of these 700 things that, that I have going on feel the most vital to this book yes. and, you know, try to un- unweave things and take out the rest and, and solidify and tighten up what I've got left. Well, and doing that is such a key thing. And it's so important to have those people who can figure out not just, okay, it isn't working, but they can point out, okay, these are the, the key building blocks that without which it won't work. And these they're enjoyable and they're lovely and they're amazing but we can get by without them and we yeah, need to yeah. in order for the rest of it to be stronger as a whole. And that is such a skill. I have, I have one beta that does that for me. And if she's watching right now, Laura, I love you um, <laughs> because, because she, she read an opening chapter for me and was able to say, this is really, really great. However, this is where it starts slowing down. And I just yanked four pages, just four whole pages and just went, all right, you're going up here in this document because I trust that she knows what what you need to look at and go not helping not working 
even if all of those four pages were amazing, they didn't need to be in my book. And yeah. also you can always save that information. And mm-hmm. then, you know, eventually there could be a Golem and Ginny short story collection of like, is, like things that are in the universe. That's or, exactly what yeah. I wanted, what, what I've been like sort of wanting to do, especially with the material that I cut for the hidden palace. I, that book, that book nearly killed me. And I talk about, about that, that near death experience. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. We're like, this is, this is why you're here. I will, say, I will say, I was so thrilled when I saw, you know, her debut novel came out in 2013, huge success. This is the follow up. And I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, it's 2021. I want to yeah. hear that journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, this is why we have this show is like, this is the journey, the eight well, and, years. <laughs> and eight years. And I, I tried to shove in all the awards and having to like type them out by hand because I can't spell half of the awards that, <laughs> that this received because it received so many of them. And then to go like, okay, well, where's the next one? Was it, was it a matter of it took eight years to write or? Did the pandemic come and try to eat your book? Like it tried to eat a lot of our souls or. Oh, and all of it. So first, like when, when the first book was published, when, when I turned in uh golem and the genie, I had a baby and, and that was it. And then when I started to write uh hidden palace, um, I had a toddler and a baby and I hadn't figured out how to be a mom and write at the same time. And, you know, it's that, oh God, I don't want to get into like parenting and writing and do my whole soapbox, but it's like, it's like learning how to ride a bike again. It's like, how do I do this? How do I just sit down and think about something other than like what, we need to have in the refrigerator for tonight. If we have any clean clothing for the babies, if there's, you know, all that stuff sort of like into your brain and just be, it becomes like early parenthood. A lot of it is about triage and like emergency, like just in time, everything. And it, you get into that mindset and then writing something that takes like actual rumination and, and, you know, stepping back and looking at things and thinking about them. It's just, it just, Oof. triage is, is a word that's Go a ahead. great word i was gonna yeah. say um there's another author who i know who i won't name her but she's also a mom and she mm-hmm. talked about um when her kids were small it was so hard to justify closing a door in their face while they were saying mommy 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 yes. like how do i is my what i'm writing so important and so good and so yeah. beneficial to the world that i'm saying not yeah. now baby and close like literally closing the door yeah. it's like uh, yeah i have and that thought so many times it's like what the hell am i doing worrying about these people who don't actually exist when i've got two real life kids sitting on the other side of this door who are like crying because mom isn't letting them come in yeah. and it, and, and that's like word about about triage and rumination. Those two are the kind of the opposite because when you're in triage mode and you're like, I just need to get people where they need to go, clothed, bathed, fed. The idea of okay, then I'm going to be sitting there and daydreaming and getting my mind into this creative space when mm. I'm on zero sleep. Yeah, it becomes it becomes this thing where it, my mother in law is currently watching my children so that we can even do this. She's also the reason any of my first book that's out on sub got written because she, she recognized the importance of me having that away time. Mm-hmm. Where I wasn't, wasn't closing a door because it's like, here, grandma loves you go to grandma for a bit. 
Mm-hmm. And I would be out and I'd be in a space where I wouldn't see the the dirty dishes and the diapers and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's the only place where that rumination could happen. But that happens a lot less frequently than it would if I could just do it whenever I felt like it. Yeah. So, yeah. That you had to make those choices. I completely hear you. I completely understand. And there are a lot of authors who are like, oh, well, you know, you just, you just compartmentalize. My mind doesn't work like that. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm not a mom. I'm a dog mom, but I also uh, did, I cared for my elderly mother for seven yeah. years. Yeah. And I hate to say that's very much like having it also is. a toddler. It is. Um, and I, I say that in a very like kind and loving way, but it's hard. It's hard to find time and hard to find space in our brains. I think everybody, we all have other things in our life that are quote unquote more important mm-hmm. than our books. But at the same time, our books are so important to like who we are as like our soul, our self-worth. Mm-hmm. We're writers. Like without that, what are we? <laughs> yeah. And also the other, it's also a question of like any given writing day is disposable, right? It's like, you're going to end up with what? 500 words that you're going to hate tomorrow. (laughs) So, you know, that's your, it's like that when you're looking at it that way, it's like that or take care of this thing that need that you love Mm -hmm. with this, this kid or whatever. And so it's, or it's the spouse has a meeting tomorrow your writing day, you know, they can't do pickup, whatever. And so the writing is always the thing that gets deferred because it's such a long-term game. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter if you write tomorrow, like that thousand words you're writing tomorrow, if you're lucky, if you're lucky is not going to really in the long run, get that book into your agent or editor's hand. It's faster. not going to make or break faster. Mm-hmm. It's not going it's, to. And then, and then after that, it's still going to take like three years. Yeah. So yeah. Firewalling that time because it is cumulative is the, what the thing that I am worst at as, as far as, as like the process of writing goes, because I am very anxious. And if I know someone is in distress or someone is possibly miffed at me for, you know, that, or, or just miffed in general or whatever that, that, you know, I couldn't do the thing that they wanted me to do or whatever. I just, I have a really, I can't turn that off. Well, Helene, it's nice to know you're not a sociopath. I think that probably, <laughs> that probably plays into the fact that your book is beautifully written and very emotionally charged. Thank you. So but this I is the quote from the episode, Helene's not a sociopath. Sociopath and neurotic are the, it's like, they sort of it's wrap Venn, around and meet each other at the back, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, because I'll I'll admit I'm a neurotic and I have anxiety disorder and yeah. I feel like we're all like me, that's me. But yeah. like I I have human feelings. I'm not a sociopath. I'm not a monster. You're just I'm debilitating too, human feelings as well. I know. I'm just I'm too worried to be a monster. <laughs> but I do think there are people who in and I don't I would rather not make this about gender, but I do know that there are people because they don't necessarily bear the weight of the children coming to them. Or they don't necessarily have the one where they're the thing that has to get pushed off. It's easier for them to compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that that may vary because I've known other authors or people who would like to be authors who are writing, but maybe haven't gotten anything published yet and are still thinking, oh, I'd like to do that. And I know a lot of them will be like, oh, well, I would just write at this point in the day. But they weren't drained from all that other stuff beforehand because they didn't have the mommy, mommy, mommies all day long because that was going to their spouse. 
Mm-hmm. So, this is when that I, may not always be the case in every relationship or in every family dynamic, but it drains yeah. you. When I talk to students, um, and you know, there's a, usually the question, spent you know, college or you know, uh, creative writing classes or whatever, and there's you know, so what would you tell someone, a young person writing today who wants to blah, you know, become a writer? And the thing I hate is, that question. Yeah, because it's like, well, <laughs> how much do you want to suffer? Um, Don't do it. <laughs> the thing that I all that I usually end up saying, especially if I think there's a decent percentage of women in in the audience, is if you're going to have a partner or a spouse, find one who believes in what you are doing and will give you the space for it, even if you're not bringing in any money. And they sort of. You know, there's this this pause of like that's not what we expected. And <laughs> what do they expect? Follow your dreams. Well, yeah, basically, you know, every day, even you know, if you make me no, it's like no, you find this is this is crucial. Like, find someone who is not going to guilt you about the two hours that you are taking out of your, you know, the the that you managed to carve for yourself on a Saturday because they want you to go out or they want you to like, you know, sit and watch a game with them or something. I just, I've known a number of writers who like the spouse has come between them and the writing and, you know, maybe not at first, but once kids were added or, you know, the, the job, no money's coming in. And I was going to say that that, the no money thing, and it gets back into that, what gets pushed when it's okay, this person has a wage earning salary and this person is doing something that may land a book deal or may have mm-hmm. royalties down the future, but it's the fact between the tangible bringing something in right now and the intangible possibility. That's always the thing that goes. It's hard to justify. And it's also, and it, and even having, I have an incredibly supportive spouse. I'm lucky, mm-hmm. but it is like, I still have that guilt, especially on the days where I lock myself away in my room and I'm writing all day mm-hmm. and I come out and he looks at me and he's so excited and he's like, how did it go? And I'm like, I didn't write anything. Or like, I wrote 50 words and they were all bad. Yeah. I, I spent most of the time either being distracted or researching or staring out the window and living it in my head and then trying to type it out and have nothing come out. So and like, it's, yeah. so hard to, it's so hard to remember that that's part of the process, right? Yes. Like you're putting money in the bank. You're, you are digging the hole that the well is going to, you know, fill eventually. And it's just, you know, you, you aren't there yet, but you, you, you had to write those 500 crummy words in order to get yeah. to something. And it's just so hard to remember that in, in the time. Yeah. And especially if you're like paying for daycare for childcare on top of that, while, you know, hooray, I just spent a hundred dollars today to yep. write these 500 crummy words. I'm so glad, you know? And yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not for the faint of heart or for someone who doesn't believe in what they're doing. And it's definitely hard, especially if you don't have a supportive spouse, sometimes finding another group of people to say, well, we believe in you and we're reading what you're doing. And it's important that you keep going. Did you yep. have people like that for you who were reading like early drafts of this that were going, this is amazing. I need more. Please keep giving me. I had my agent who I didn't sign with until like he he got interested in what I was doing almost literally from the beginning. Um, I had like 50 pages of the book when I met him and he heard about it and was very intrigued. And so he just sort of, we just sort of became correspondence where he, he was like my beta reader from afar. 
and he that's um, unusual just for people who don't know usually you don't sign with an agent till you're subbing a completed manuscript script that's usually been polished sometimes professionally edited and has gone through as much as you can so the fact that he's reading it 50 pages at a time that's that's yeah how did you meet him at Columbia, there's this this thing that they do every year. I think they still do it where, you know, all of the professors either, you know, bribe or pressure their agent friends into coming <laughs> to what is basically... We'll give you donuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically. <laughs> I would do promise, anything for donuts. We promise there will be liquor there. I think that's exactly what they say. And so all of the, the agents sort of gather and, and the students gather and it's... they they. The professors tell you to practice your pitch, your, you know, your, your elevator pitch or whatever. And Nobody's so they elevators anymore. I love, I love that <laughs> idea. It's like, I know. Remember when we did like, like, elevator 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 you're going to pitch you like a delivery guy, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And now, now we're like, it, because in the before times we were in elevators with other people, but now like all elevators say like, well, you know, like one person per yeah, elevator true. ride. So. Yeah. One household per elevator yeah. like related to your agents, then you probably don't need to pitch them anymore. You're fine. Well, I love that you got an agent in like this non-traditional way mm-hmm. because I got my agent in a non-traditional way. My agent also signed me based on a book I had already written, but was already out. Oh, nice. And then so, she was just like, well, what are you working on now? I pitched her three ideas. One was a joke that I had joked to Allison like two days before I was like, you know, what would probably sell if I wrote a book called blah, 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 about blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's not a joke. You should actually keep that. So as I pitched two ideas to my agent, she was like, those are good. What else do you have? And I was like, uh, pitched the joke. And she's like that, (laughs) that is the idea. And I was like, never pitch a joke. If you don't plan on writing the book, folks. Yeah, no kidding. I'm 75,000 words into that joke right now. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so funny. Like I, the second I got off that meeting, I like messaged Allison right away. And I was like, she signed me (laughs) and she wants blah, blah, blah. And she was like, (laughs) of course she does. Of course she does. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So, but like, that was not uh, like the normal way to get an agent. Your way is not the normal way to get an agent for all of our, People who are watching this who are fellow authors, they understand. Yeah. Like you're in the querying trenches yeah. mm-hmm. for some people a for long time. Years. Yeah. I, I, I mean, sort of feel survivor's guilt over not have, so, having sort of leapfrogged over that process while the rest of my friends were like checking their email every five minutes, like waiting to And they're see like, oh, I just got my rejection. 200th rejection. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, when you're in the querying or submission trenches, there's this kind of love hate. Like I can see right now, I'm looking at my computer screen and there's a little red dot by my, my email. I don't want to look at it. I mean, I'm not going to during the show anyway, but I just don't want to look at it at all because yeah. you know what it is. It's never good. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of thing. So the fact that you had an agent who was talking to you and I'm, I'm assuming kind of guiding the process as it went to tell you, okay, this is what I like and can also look at, Hey, what's it going to look like when it goes to the submissions editors and yeah. maybe, even know which submissions editors might want it, I'm sure that gave you a huge advantage because that person was already on your team, not just like, okay, I'll take this manuscript, but they'll take the idea and work with you to get there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And what I learned later was that he had been sort of 
you know, when he would do a sale somewhere and they, you know, and the editor would say, well, what else you got? Well, you know, sort of keeping tabs on each other. And he would talk about, you know, this thing he's got in his back pocket that, you know, maybe coming down the pike that was this, this Golem and Genie thing. And so he had, you know, sort of low key. Yeah, he's, I love that. The pump so that when it yep. comes out, there are people who are like, gimme, rather than. And it ended up at auction. So I was just going to ask if it ended up at auction because yeah. Yeah, I know, like, so my amazing agent, uh, Paula Mounier from Talcott Notch, I'll just give her a shout out. Um, we're still like very early in the process and I'm not even allowed to like talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But she, she knows the concept and she was just like, I, I know how to sell that. Yeah. Like, like she understood even just as a concept. Now, whether she reads it when it's like, I'm, you know, close to being done and goes, Oh, this is not yeah. what we talked about. Go back. <laughs> Which is just like a really like that could definitely happen. And I, I'd be fine with that. Uh, but it, it was just, it's interesting to have somebody who understands the business and understands what you're writing mm-hmm. and still says, it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I think we all know that 90% of writing, even when you have somebody saying, no, it's a good idea is typing something and saying, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it anyways, but I feel like it's not a good idea. So Elisa Von Schimmelman wants to know, do you save those ideas that you take out of one book for pacing for future books? I do. And that is um, something that I, so, so a bunch of the stuff that I cut from Hidden Palace um, that I was thinking about turning into short stories, some of it is going to possibly end up in book three. Um, and yes, there is going to be a book three. Yeah, Are we getting five. the exclusive announcement? Uh, no, it's, it's, I, I have, pretend it's the exclusive so announcement. We always, we always ask, like, can it just be the exclusive <laughs> announcement? The exclusive <laughs> announcement, everybody. It's not quite exclusive. I mean, I have a, I have another book on my contract, so it's, you know, I have to write something. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've got one award-winning bestseller and then like another award-winning bestseller, like, uh, uh, like who that just came out like Tuesday? Was it Tuesday? Did it came out yesterday? No, it came out in June. June. In, in, okay. uh, June 8th. Okay. So, but um, the, see, I have the stuff that I can work in, except that I don't think I'm going to be able to do it word for word. It's not like I can just, you know, airdrop yeah. these pieces <laughs> in. Way too easy, Helene. Yeah. Way too easy. <laughs> Like yeah, I now, know, this right? book only took me uh, six months to write. Exactly. Well, like, that would be nice. But it, it is sort nice. of like I got like my steps one through three thinking done. Yeah. And so I can take the concepts and write them. It's like I'm still farther ahead than I would be if I was just starting it from scratch. But because it's like, you know, the characters, I have to age them up. And once I age them up and once I put them in, you know, it's going to be, it's. What years is it going to be? It's going to be set in 1929 to 31. Yes. So, which is is random years. Nothing happens then. Favorite. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So oh, and the, end, the end of prohibition, the beginning of the Great Depression, every it's, it's sort of like we've had our roaring 20s and everyone has a hangover and now yeah. stuff's going to get real. Yeah. And it's been the bloodiest time in American history. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All it's, sorts yeah. of all sorts. It's just of like it, it's like a good time. It's like, yeah, yeah. We just really yeah. feel like it's just it's a feel good book. 
Well, and I'll just I'll just shout out for Elisa. Elisa is a fellow writer. She writes with me on Mondays or Tuesdays or whenever we get together. And she is working on a series herself and has kind of jumped ahead in some of the books to figure out what goes later. So the whole idea Ooh. of pulling from one and then using it in the other, I'm sure she's like, can I pick your brain on how this works exactly? Because the fact that she's jumping ahead like that, I have another writing friend who's like, yeah, is it wrong that I'm writing the sequel to the book I haven't finished? I'm like, what are you doing? That, I know your that answer. Like hurts my brain. Okay. Well, and we were joking <laughs> because we're both pancers and... I say I'm a flashlight discovery writer, which sounds much oh, better sounds than so I'm a stupid pantser. Um, <laughs> right, it does. But but the idea being I can only write as far ahead as I can kind of see things. Mm-hmm. So I don't jump ahead because I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen over there. And I was joking with this other friend. I'm like, you're like a strobe light discovery writer just <laughs> all over the place and spastic and jumping way ahead. I'm going. But she's like, well, but the scene had to take place in this setting. And I'm over here in this book, in this setting. So what had to happen? So, I mean, I wish I had that freedom. Like, I I don't, I just don't. I I can see there being like, if I need, you know, if there's going to be a third book to the series and I need to figure out where book two ends, maybe the best way for my brain to figure it out is to start book three and figure out where I need to end up and then write the stuff in between here and there. I can kind of see that. I can see that. I mean, weirdly, the book on my work in progress right now, I was like flailing for like a good 10 to 15 to 20,000, 30,000 words. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know what the end is. I don't know what the end is. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to write this prologue that's actually like the basically a random ending of this book. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to keep it, but I was just like, so then I wanted like the whole book to be like in a flashback. And I'm like, oh, so I have like this vague notion of if this was an HBO limited series, what would that first 10 minutes of the episode be with Reese Wither- yep. Witherspoon and yep. Nicole Kidman and whatever, yep. whoever, you know, is, I was like, dream what cast. is the dream cast? I'm just dream casting. Um, like, what is that like thing where people go, oh, how did they get there? Yeah. Yeah, that's a and good then, way. That's and then I've really just been like, I don't it. even know if I can get there. But yeah. weirdly, at seventy-five thousand words, I'm like, oh, I think I'm getting there. Like, I get it now. Well, uh, so so yeah. dreamcasting, Helene. I I skipped ahead and I read your author's note at the end because uh-huh. I was fascinated by one of the things about the origins of your two characters being kind of like versions of even just you and your husband in ways mm-hmm. of your own, your own ethnic backgrounds factoring in and then mythologize, which I just, I adore that. Mm-hmm. Assuming you guys can't play yourselves in the movie. Ah! Also, you don't really resemble a woman made of clay with like human hair grafted on, which is both amazing and horrific all at once. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like I'm who I really want to be. Well, I was just like, can't I have human hair grafted on? <laughs> <laughs> we it makes it enough. so I'm much like, easier. Yeah, I, it red. I made of dead people. Um, <laughs> nah. We are kind of made of dead people, all of us. I was going to say, enough. aren't we? Aren't we <laughs> made of dead people? Um, so uh, I want Rachel Weiss. To oh, play, to play Hava. Yeah, would you, would you somehow make her bigger? Because I feel like Rachel's a little too. She's like, too like I don't like, want to say dainty, but she's she's, she's a little petite. more dainty than I'm picturing. I feel there. like she's taller than me, but not as everybody's taller than well, other than me. We're the same size. I know. There like, don't you say it. <laughs> There might have to be some like Lord of the Rings force percept- yeah. perspective. I was going to say like Tom Cruise going style on a little camera. Yes, exactly. She's always standing on the box. 
Um, but that's what they did to Minnie Driver and Circle of Friends, where they put her in a trench so that uh, yes, Donald would be on the box. And yes, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Oh my god! I know. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm having like some sort of like '90s. Sorry flashback break breakdown right now like oh i got it alan coming in that movie oh, oh boy God. right so okay now i gotta come back um yeah, i just went alan coming in, in schmigadoon so i'm like mm-hmm. all right, all right. Take for no other re- if for no other reason that i will see anything that alan coming is in it's I, so I have that good. rule for a lot of a lot of actors yeah. like oh he's in it done put it yeah. on schmigadoon is yeah. it was exactly what i needed late pan Late, late pandemic when we mm-hmm. that we were like, oh, there's going to be hope for the world, and then we're like, oh, I guess there's not hope for the world. Yeah. But we yeah. had that like glorious week where we binge watched Schmigadoon and sang all the songs. So yeah. get that, get the apple. I will, I will. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's also worth it for Ted Lasso and everything I, else. We have, we have it for Ted Lasso basically, and yeah. also uh, for all mankind, which is oh, really I haven't watched it yet. Haven't it's- seen that one. We it bought it for the servant, and then we're just was just like, oh, we're gonna, and then stayed for Mosquito Coast, and ah. ours came with some device we got for a kid, and we're like, I hear this Ted Lasso thing's good, and then massive addiction later, I'm just running around in every room going, Keely Jones, independent woman, Keely Jones, Frank <laughs> <laughs> Grimm, the independent. Oh my gosh, oh, sorry, we're watching season two now. So I have we have. We need to binge season up to where we just haven't had it. it we keep saying we're going to clear a weekend and start, you know, watching Ted Lasso again, and we just haven't gotten. There we yet. did. We, made, we short, made the commitment. So, yeah, we, you can you can do one a night and be done with it because the yeah. seasons aren't that long either. Yeah, best show about soccer that has nothing to do with soccer. Has nothing to do. Oh my god, it's like seventy five nerds saying it has nothing to do with the actual sport to convince me to to watch. Same. Okay, I really like fighting. I like football. Yeah, I was like, I'm watching this for Jason Sudeikis, and just so I can understand what's happening on Twitter. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. It, like, it was like the only positive me. thing happening exactly. on social media for like yep. months. Is I will not it. get the discourse if I do not see the show. Right. And it's important it's on as public figures yes, that we yes. have to know what's happening. I can't, so, I can't be cut flat footed by the paparazzi no, no. when they ask me my opinion. Mm-hmm. So who would you cast as Ahmed? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It would, and part of this is because I'm an old lady who like has no idea about who's like, cool. And right. Who's yeah. cool I know. Like I feel like I have an idea of who I want as Ahmed, but it's like Please thirty years me. ago. It's like thirty years ago. Twenty years ago. Thirty years ago, though. It's. I mean, and it's not even technically correct, but he was on, in Heroes. Okay, you're talking about Mohinder. Yes. I, oh. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. No. Um. I was like, uh, whatever. Ramatharthi? I'm, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher his name, but again, I'm not sure that he's the right ethnicity. He's so not. I don't. But you it's need that somebody type. who's. Yeah. It's that type. Yeah. There's, uh, as I'm like screaming, I'm like, it's that type, but I don't, I'm not like also, tapped into pop culture besides. He's the one that we keep saying he's just too pretty. He's too pretty. Yeah. He's yeah. So I cut myself on his cheekbones. He's so pretty. <laughs> but I felt like he is like otherworldly pretty. Yeah. And there's like yes. something That's about it. him. And I felt like that is the quality that Ahmed would need because it's yeah. like he's made of mm-hmm. fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just someone who's looked too perfect. Like he looks yeah. like, yeah. like there's, oh God, what there's almost the fake quality where it's like humans, yeah. no human looks like, that good. You're just like possible. alien looks, you know, like, mm-hmm. like too, just not something not right about how perfect this person is yeah yeah yeah, it's that yeah so you know 
hey, viewers, send us yes. messages with pictures, yeah. pictures yeah. of people who look like that. Especially if you're like plugged into the Middle Eastern soap yes. opera scene or something. That's, and that's can, probably where you'd find a lot. Exactly. Of it would be like right. some breakout, like someone who is like totally hot in seven countries that aren't this one, you know? Right. And nobody here knows him. And he's won like uh, his country's version of like the Emmys and the Oscars, yeah. like for like 30 years. Yeah. And, and then like, then again. he gets a breakout and like, you're like, oh my God, is this his first thing? And he's like, like we've oh, seen oh, him oh. for a long, long time. No, no. No, another thing though is uh, here's the thing when it takes years to write a book and then by the time it would get to something like a tv show the actor hasn't been born yet so you just you need to wait for that because at that point it's the kid is probably a fetus and yes. by the time it gets around okay, <laughs> now he's hot young man and yeah right like what we always say like you have to d- you have to cast out of like disney shows yeah. like disney mm-hmm. teen shows yeah and like, and like the like kind of like the blank face kids that play like Ooh. soap opera people's children <laughs> That like they they just like because they're like always in the background and they're, they're like half the time they're played by different actors mm-hmm. and you're just like wonder, oh did you guys see Descendants the Disney there's the yes, the Disney the of children she didn't have to because she Tubby doesn't make her watch Tubby's her dog so Tubby doesn't oh, make Tubby, her watch yeah. my make her watch on there my daughter is is just now like trying to get me into Descendants and there's mm-hmm. there's a guy who plays Jafar's son. Okay, yeah, he'd work. He would work. Yeah, I, especially since I think, like, I mean, he's probably 15 in the thing, but, you know, that was a number of years ago. And Yeah, so he's, he's, probably, he's probably at least a legal adult by now. We can work with him. Yeah, he's probably, like, at least <laughs> 19 now. Yeah. Work. And by the time he's yeah, that Rachel Weiss then is too old. I don't know. That's the hard thing. Like, I know, but they can do hand. that, um, like, filming style now that yeah. they did with like Al Pacino and Robert no, De Niro. And not that, like, then, then it's like you're limiting the facial, yeah. like, you know, yeah, it just starts. No, there's, there's still, I'm not going to say more, but there's still nerds mad at the end of Mandalorian season two. Yep. Pulling stuff like I'm that. I'm not, I, I'm I wasn't mad. I haven't seen, I'm like, I'm like taking on my earbuds. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I, will, I will just say that sometimes there's, there are two different camps and some people will always say, hey, we have the technology, we can do this. And then there's other, others of us who say, you know what, this particular actor looks like this other actor younger. Can we just have that? Because yeah. that would probably be better. And that's exactly. And that's the thing is, it's like, you can either spend a bazillion dollars on the, on the CGI, or you can get someone who hasn't had their break yet, just because they're not like the, the flagpole, you know, whatever you want to call it, like they're propping up the summer blockbusters or whatever. Exactly. Well, and the, the the other flip side of that though, is you'll also get them people who complain going, Hey, this guy, and I'm going to butcher his name, but the guy who plays young Han Solo in the Solo story doesn't look anything like Harrison Ford, but it's like, you guys, you can't have everything. We can't have yeah. both. It's exactly him or it's not exactly him. But exactly. there are some actors where it's like, that's uncanny how much you two look like younger version. We the, could use this. We could get away with it. The guy in the, uh, the Matrix, uh, new Matrix trailer. Resurrection. Who, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Resurrection who, um, is not uh god what Let's see names it's not Lawrence Fishburne the not guy Lawrence Fishburne and I'm looking at what, like who him. is that guy and no one's telling me is he supposed to be me is he supposed to be Morpheus but younger they're, not, they're not saying apparently they're not saying that like okay. if it's if it's supposed to be like the young Matrix version of Morpheus or like this is someone who is you're supposed to think of as Morpheus, but right. is like trained by him or something. Yeah, because I also went, okay, I know that's not Lawrence Fishburne, looks nothing like it, but are we supposed to just assume, well, it's also a black male actor, 
You put them in the very round, small yeah. mirrored glasses. And it it's could like, be. Are we talking about the Matrix? I left for yes, two see? seconds. And see? Yes. What's so funny is I was about to scream something about uh, Lawrence Fishburne and the Matrix. And then I felt like even my system was like, we don't need to hear that. But then <laughs> I was like, we do. Yeah. We do. And you guys. We went there and plugged you there, Jen, and just said, Mm-mm. I shut down. <laughs> but I was just like, I hope they're talking about the Matrix somehow. <laughs> we were. We yeah. nerded out without you. Sorry. I love yep. it. No, it's fine. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's like, also, we're time to go. We've run up time. But this is usually what happens. The last 10 minutes, we just start geeking out about like <laughs> nerdy things. And that's when I'm always like, this should be our post-show conversation. But I yeah, why, like, why wait for the post show? Make it the show. The post show. I know people want to hear what we think about the Matrix. Mm, yes, and, uh, <laughs> let's pick anyways. every day. People ask me. Like I so, mean, please. I've been asked by exactly one person, but I made him ask me like six times, and it was my husband. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, let's talk about the Matrix again. He's like, do we have to? Why? But on that note, uh, okay. uh, the Hidden Palace. And get that book up there. I put it down. I'm sorry. They're happy. Um, Helene, thank you for being here. You were amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. I'm like, you're we so are fun. You, you are. So glad you're here. So glad you're here. Um, everybody who's joining us live or watching us later on the replay, uh, make sure to come back next week when we have Monica Byrne the writer of the actual stars. <laughs> Helene's giving thumbs up. So. This, this is the book that came out yesterday. That, that's why yes. I'm like, I honestly was thinking, she's thinking about the actual star because that's what came out yesterday. I know. That, and it book, did. that book I am plugging to every human who reads. I adored <laughs> oh, that book. Oh, everybody. It was amazing. So I'm getting chills. So, so uh-huh. did you get an ARC copy? I did. She and I actually share an agent. So I've, I've known her like online for a number of years now. And I read her first book, which was phenomenal. And we, we sort of fell, I know, I know we got to go, but like, it's okay. it's, um, she and I spent almost exactly the same amount of time on our second books. Okay. And well, your Mike books are out, the same length. Yes. And mine came out I- last <laughs> month and this came out this month and, and yeah. hers came out this month. And so we've been just sort of like, book buddies going through this process together and sister wives she is amazing she enlivens my social media every single day she's mm-hmm. she's sort of like she lives this life that i i cannot help but envy as much as i know that i would be terrible at, at being like this free spirit who just sort of drives around the country when i feel like you know when she feels like it in all of this and oh my god I just, by the way this is just gonna be our promo for next week's show we're just gonna have i know we're just gonna talk like, about and next yeah, week we have and we have yeah exactly she's probably just, sick of me talking about her because i've been I've, you know she's been like following my publicity because we've been doing all this together and i'm like every every chance i get i'm like monica you gotta read monica burn well i feel like <laughs> allison and i have this relationship with each other because in very similar ways like we you know grew up together doing yes. this um 
got yeah. traumatized together. You got traumatized <laughs> together at the same time by the industry. Uh, so like, yeah, I feel like 90% of my social media things, I'm like, at Allison, at Allison Martin. Uh, and the same thing, I'm always like, why do I have Twitter notifications? I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. Allison tagged me in something. <laughs> Thank you. It's about my hair. Um, so yes, I love that you love her book. Um, mm-hmm. so please come back everybody next week yes. when we're going to talk about the actual stars. Um, if you're not sick of me, which I'm sure you are, but if you're not tune in tomorrow at 6 PM Eastern standard time for the premiere of my show, let's scare Jennifer to death with oh. authored Richard Chismar talking about his work with Stephen King and also his latest novel, chasing the boogeyman. Thank you to everybody involved with this, Vox Vomitus. We are a copywritten podcast on the Global Authors on the Air Network. I want to thank Roman Saratin, our producer, Pam Stack, our executive producer, and we will see you all next week.